Welcome to The Citizens Midweek. It's a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a deeper look at the sermon from this past week. I'm your host, Jacob Kirby, joined this week by uh, our deacon and lead team member, Garrison Weiner. Hi, Garrison. Hey, everybody. Let's get started. continued on in our sermon series where we've been working through the book of Ephesians. We looked at Ephesians 4, 25 through 32 this week. Um, and really, it was just kind of a, a walkthrough of the passage. Um, Paul kind of gives us some pretty clear guidelines on the ways that we as Christians are called to relate to one another. So Garrison, you kind of outlined five shifts that Paul is asking us to make as people that are following Jesus and the way we relate to one another. Those five shifts were um, from lying to truth telling. So people that, you know, maybe are deceitful or hide or mask their themselves to people that tell the truth about themselves and one another um, from sinful anger to dealing with our anger. So not being people that, um, you know, caught, let our anger cause us to sin, not letting the sun go down on our anger, but we, uh, we desire unity and peacefulness with one another. So we deal with our anger through healthy confrontation and forgiveness and, the third shift was from stealing to giving. So I thought you made a really cool point that the opposite of stealing isn't earning. It's um, radical generosity. So we are generous people. We don't take, but we we give generously. Um, the fourth shift was from corrupting talk to talk that builds one another up. So just the way that we encourage one another and the way that we speak life to one another instead of gossip and slander and bitterness. And um, the last shift, which got the most time, was from resentment to forgiveness. So... We don't just, you know, hold on to our anger, resentment, or corrupting talk, but we, you know, seek to to confront and confess and forgive one another regularly. And we kind of did some some live action steps there where we took some time to talk about who we might have needed to forgive, kind of live and in the moment. For me, I think one of the things that stood out the most, just because it was something I hadn't really heard before, was that third shift was um, the shift from stealing to giving. Um, specifically what I just said that, you know, the opposite of stealing. And we talked about too, like we don't necessarily have a church full of kleptomaniacs <laughs> that we know of. I mean, it's not like this, you no know, bank robbers, right? Like, Oh, Maybe. somebody coming to community group and like pulling out these Rolexes that they took from the department store, but you know, keep them at home. You're talking about the integrity of the way that we do. Our, yeah. They're just keeping the Rolexes <laughs> that they stole at home. Don't check my junk drawer. I keep all my Rolexes in the junk drawer. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about, you know, we might not steal by taking things from places, but we might steal by, you know, not having integrity in the work that we do, by stealing time on the clock, by, you know, potentially if we own businesses, overcharging for less work or things like that. Um, but the opposite of stealing isn't earning, isn't making money or anything. It's not by buying. The opposite of stealing is giving. The opposite of stealing is being really generous. And we have a really great model for generosity in Jesus. So that was really, I mean, something that stuck in my brain really clearly just because I hadn't heard it that way before. But what about you, Garrison? Anything that kind of stood out particularly while you were preparing for the sermon? Yeah, um, I, I had a little bit of a problem uh, this time around with just packing this sermon full of too much in each section. So uh, you probably felt it, but I, I went very fast through everything um, because there was just a lot there. And probably personally, I think I could have preached a sermon on every shift. I think there's just a lot there, but probably the one of the big overarching uh, things, which I mentioned at the very end, but didn't spend a t too much time on, was just the one another's. 
So those 59, you know, statements, right. those commandments of what we're supposed to do as the church. I, I think it's interesting, uh, one, because there's just a lot of them, but two, they're not just all in one place. They're spread out like every single, you know, letter epistle yeah. has uh, multiple of these one another's right. uh, commandments to, hey, go do something, which uh, a couple things come to mind there. One is pushes back pretty hard against the Lone Ranger Christian stuff where, right. yeah, I'm just it's me and, and Jesus and we're kind of just it's me, Jesus and my latte, right. whatever. <laughs> I read the Bible, got a great quiet time. Jesus but, is my boyfriend. <laughs> right. But hey, uh, these letters are about obviously Jesus, obviously about theology and are meant for building right. up your, you know, relationship with him and meditating on it. But they're also very directive to what we're supposed to do as Christians, he, predominantly what we're supposed to do as a group of Christians, as a community. So uh, I, I always think that is just really interesting and helpful. And then just, you know, what it looks like to do all of those things. Because right. they're very all-encompassing where we're called to encourage one another instead of gossiping. We're, right. we're called to um, confront one another and pray for one another and confess. And we're supposed to do all of these things. And they're affirmed by Jesus himself. Um, I kind of mentioned that as well. But there's obviously, I mean, it seems like there's a little bit of urgency to all of these things of like, hey, go do these uh, in other places, it says as long as it is today, go yeah. and, go encourage somebody. Right. Um, if you see another brother, if you see another sister in sin, go call them out. Go talk to them about it. Um, that stuff's just really helpful to me. And sure. honestly, uh, when our church actually follows that and is obedient to those things, that's when we become the church that we're actually right. going after. Like that is when we are a Jesus-centered family on, on the mission, hill. right? Yeah. Like. When we're when we're obedient to these commands, um, so that that was a big thing that stuck out to me. And then probably with that is just the gossip and divisiveness sure. stuff. Probably right when I got up, right before I got up on stage, just for the sake of time, I cut probably a good bit of what I was going to talk about there. Um, so, kind of the way I think about gossip and divisiveness is. Uh, I, I've heard it talked about this way a good bit, and I find it really helpful. Um, just thinking about Jesus at the Last Supper, John 17, the high priestly prayer, where he is praying for the disciples. And then he gets to this one point of the prayer where he says, and I'm not just praying for them, but I'm praying for all of the people that will believe because of their <laughs> message. He's praying for us. Yeah, like right. he's literally praying for, for our church, for all Christians, all churches to ever, you know, anything that's ever existed. Um, and I think his prayer, the contents of that prayer are really fascinating. Hmm. I don't think he prays for what I would think he would pray for. He prays for unity. Yeah. That's basically it hmm. in, in that prayer for us. He says that we would be one as he and the father are one. Yeah. Like there's a very uh, intimate sense of unity there. Hmm. And I think that bleeds into you know, the, the idea of gossip and divisiveness where yeah. they are huge enemies of the church. Yeah. Where if the one thing that Jesus is praying for us 
in this passage is unity. You know, corrupting talk, divisiveness, gossip. Right. They're, they're not the only way, but they're one of the primary ways sure. that unity breaks down. So thinking of gossip, you know, I talked about going up, talked about talking to the other person. But kind of the way I would think about gossip versus divisiveness is kind of gossip is going... They're both going to the wrong people yeah. for the wrong reason. But divisiveness is kind of going to somebody beneath you, in a sense. Not beneath you in terms of value. Yeah, beneath yeah. you in terms of position. Sure. So, you know, if you're a deacon or a community group leader or serving in some way, it would be going to somebody that you're leading and talking badly about another person. Yeah. That would be divisiveness. That's it. Also, it is partly gossip, but it's divisive in the sense that you're going to somebody yeah. who's positionally under you, and then gossip is going to somebody beside you, sure, and almost participating in. Oh, let's vent about this other person yeah. who can be over here, can be a pastor, can be a deacon, whatever. And either way, we're tearing down the right. body. Um, another thing that goes with that. This is probably the big thing that sticks out to me, this idea of lenses. Hmm. So a story I, I wanted to tell is I had a couple friends a, a couple years ago. You were friends with them too, Jacob. And we've seen this happen a lot where, you know, something happens. So in this instant, uh, I'm going to change their names. Carrie goes and talks to Bill, right? They're, sure. they're friends and they're at a party. And Carrie goes up and says, hey to Bill, he's walking past her, and he totally misses it. And she gets upset about it. Fast forward a couple days, they're at uh, a meeting, and he makes a sarcastic joke that rubs her the wrong way. She never talks about it. Uh, she talks about it to other people. Right. She's and, talking about right, it. Right. And we're fast forwarding, you know, six months, a year, she's leaving the church because Bill is a hateful maybe even evil, but definitely unloving, yeah. hurtful, selfish person. Right. That is a big jump. And that jump happens a lot. Right. And that jump happens because you took two things, or it can be one, it can be a bunch, and you let them form into a lens, right. which you interpret everything that person does through that lens. Yeah. So because Bill didn't greet her at the party, it's... Bill doesn't care about me. Yeah. He's ignoring me He's because I'm not worth me. his time. Because yeah. he made this joke, Bill's an insensitive jerk that doesn't care about people. Right? Yeah. And that forms a lens in which we she viewed everything right. about him. And it it's sad, and it may even seem just like so dramatic. Like, how could that ever happen? Oh, but it happens all the time. It happens all the right. time. And I, I think if you find gossip, if you find divisiveness... You'll you'll find somebody who's formed a lens about a person right. or a group of people, right? And that can broaden out literally to any time that you're seeing somebody, right. you know, just really angry and blowing things out of proportion. Honestly, you'll see a lens. Yeah, I think uh, even just thinking about the like the language of somebody beneath you positionally, I think kind of just what my brain was thinking about is like. It matters because it affects the way that we disciple one another. Like if you're, if you're going to somebody that is, you know, potentially that you're discipling or at least somebody that looks up to you and kind of giving them all of the, all of the hot gossip, all of the tea about a situation that they have nothing to do with, that they know nothing about otherwise. 
it's a really one-sided conversation. Like it's harmful yeah. for both parties because you're in a position when you're speaking to somebody that probably won't challenge you because they look up to you. They're being discipled or formed by you. So you kind of get an infinite access to gossip and slander because they would never correct you. That's right. But in the meantime, you're so that's harmful for you, like bad for your development to have somebody that won't ever confront you if you're wrong. But then also simultaneously, you're teaching somebody who's looking to be formed and shaped to be like Jesus to do something that Jesus explicitly says not to do, which is to, you know, spread divisiveness, spread slander and gossip. And and also, you know, especially with the story you just told, I would just think about something that's come up as a theme in my life over and over and over again the last couple of years is that the way of the person that follows Jesus is to have really generous assumptions about people in our lives and gossip and divisiveness just throw that out of the water. Right. They, they seek to see people in the worst way possible, you know, to to support our perceptions, to make us feel better about the hurt that we've experienced. And um, yeah, I mean, it just is a really ungenerous way to think and view people. So what are we going to dive deep on today, Garrison? Yeah, so I, I think I wanted to just continue to talk about uh, forgiveness. I sure. think I spent a, a good bit of time talking about that in the sermon. And if I'm being honest, I probably cut out a whole nother sermon on forgiveness <laughs> right. uh, on uh, on what I had. So this idea, it, it's just been sticking with me. And honestly, I've just been chewing on it. Not just for this sermon, but probably for a couple months, um, is this idea of forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. It that's huge. Uh, it 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 changes everything in how we think about forgiveness. Right. And probably um, one of the examples, the example that I had before I had to cut it, was the way Jesus talked about it in Matthew eighteen. Hmm. So Jesus gets approached by Peter and. You know, he asks, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Where's the line? And he says, is it seven times? And Jesus says, no, it's seven times 70 or, you know, yeah. basically uh, to the point where you can't keep count anymore. Right. And then he goes on to tell this parable. And uh, it is a beautiful. The more I've meditated on this parable, the more beautiful I find right. it. Uh, or a lot of us are probably familiar, but you know it's it's about uh, the the debtor before the king. Where there's a man, he I believe is in a you know a position before the king, and he goes to the king, and he owed the king ten thousand talents. Um, that that roughly equates to five or six billion dollars today. <laughs> Billions, yeah. <and> billion. <laughs> it, it was a unrepayable debt. Yeah. So. He goes to the king, and the king says, We're, uh, yeah, I'm going to sell you and your family into slavery to, to repay this debt. And the man falls before the king, and he says, please have mercy on me. And the king forgives him. Right. The man immediately gets up, and he goes to a person that owes him money, and I believe it's something equivalent to about $50,000. Yeah. Uh, so not a nothing, right? Like much a, a large sum. Yeah. And the man falls before him, says the same exact words. Yeah. He says, please forgive, please, please have mercy. And the man throws him in jail. Hmm. And it doesn't end well for, right. for that man, right? Uh, he gets punished. But as I've read about it and studied it, 
it's I think it's interesting because what Jesus is doing is he's he's telling a story that is actually intentionally ridiculous. Right. But because hyperbole. he's he's saying there's no way that this could actually happen. Yeah. There's no way that you could go from being forgiven six billion dollars to going and doing the same th- uh, and doing the opposite yeah. to somebody else. You wouldn't approach it that way. You couldn't approach it yeah. that way. Um, it's the idea that I talked about in the sermon of if you've, you know, received it, yeah. you would be enabled to give it. Right. Now, still very hard because if, I mean, for most of us, it's like, yeah, wait, I've received it. Right. I'm pretty sure I've received it. I'm a Christian. I believe mm-hmm. this stuff. I am struggling to forgive, though. So yeah. what what's going on in me? Why don't I get this yet? Kind of the same exact story is retold in Luke 17. Okay. And it starts the same way where Peter, once again, does the whole, you know, how many times do I have to forgive? And Jesus, you know, says seven times seven. And I find this to be really beautiful. The disciples respond with increase our faith. <laughs> increase our faith. They're essentially saying that's impossible. Right. We, we can't do, do that. Like there, there's nothing mm. in me that is able to respond that way. Yeah. Uh, and I've just found that to be really true and really encouraging for me. Uh, I've, I've got a couple people in my life that have done some hurtful things and I have tried. I try, I pray for them and I still struggle to forgive them. Yeah. And I think this is encouraging of, of like, yes, continue to take all the steps that you can pray for them, talk about it, try to pursue some form of reconciliation over time. And this is God working in your life. It has to be, you can't do it. You don't have the faith. We we have to have God give us the heart to actually receive it in a way that produces it. That we can give right because yeah. we can't own our own right yeah it's i mean the picture of like even relating i guess unpacking the metaphor of like we only have like we don't have the ability to forgive on our own but we look to the picture of jesus who is the king yeah. <laughs> like in the in the metaphor the king who forgave a huge debt which was the debt of our sinfulness against him so if we want to forgive people at all for things much less significant than the things that christ had to forgive us for well we look to jesus you know as the picture of what that looks like and for jesus he forgave people of their sins and he exemplified his forgiveness of them by serving them by by loving them by caring about them by you know and being willing to to humble himself in front of them. Yeah. And it's a little bit like how masterful a storyteller Jesus right. is where even he doesn't say it, but he tells it where yeah. the man thought he was throwing the other debtor in jail. Right. But in fact, he threw himself into right. like, because the king comes back when he hears right, and puts him in jail. I'm pretty sure executes him. Yeah. So it's like, he thought that he was putting, he thought that he right. was resolving the issue, putting him in jail. In fact, he actually brought it back on himself by not forgiving. And that yeah. is also true right. of us holding on to our bitterness and resentment. Not forgiving people actually right. We are the slave. Yeah. We are the one that gets hurt more and more mm-hmm. as we replay it over and over again and get angry all over again. And then right. we're you know, putting that anger onto other people and then just sitting in it and wow. sick and tired and yeah. we're the ones in jail. Yeah. Not forgiving actually hurts you more than the person that yeah. you're not forgiving. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of what do you think 
you know, in the sermon and on Sunday, we practiced it in real time where we gave our church family an opportunity to kind of think about the people that they might be holding on to bitterness or resentment or anger. But maybe for somebody not in the room that day, or maybe somebody listening to it now, like, what do you think kind of, what have been some helpful things to you over the years to, to kind of learn to forgive people some helpful, you know, steps that you've had to take yeah. practicing forgiveness? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it ranges, right? So sure. I think even uh, Sally's video is a great example yeah. of some things that are just smaller yeah. in nature where it's like, yeah, I'm hurt by this and I'm, and I'm angry yeah. um, and, I'm, and I'm starting to get resentful. Let me go talk to community about this. And then let me go talk to the person. Uh, I think we avoid a lot of it right. by just keeping short accounts right. and by actually having those conversations. And then I think for the bigger stuff, uh, I found this text to be really encouraging mm. and really enlightening where it gets really hard to forgive when the other person will not apologize. Right. They, maybe even they're the one in the wrong, right? Yeah. Like they're the abuser. They're the one that sinned against you. They're the one just totally in the wrong and they don't yeah. see it. They don't care. They even maybe even think that you're the one in the wrong. Right. Or they just have no perception that, that they've done anything wrong. Right. That's you know? the real Gosh. stuff that, that takes a lot of time, I think. And I think this, you know, this, uh, these verses, this concept of, I need I need God to change my heart. Right. I need to remember the cross. Yeah. Where both, you know, conceptually, right. where, you know, I'm I'm seeing the big picture of I've been forgiven the six billion dollar debt. Right. And I'm therefore I'm trying to forgive something that isn't insignificant to me. I'm trying to work through that. Yeah. But even looking at the cross very specifically, where we see Jesus doing it, where he's being nailed to the cross. He's done nothing wrong. In fact, he's done everything perfectly. Yeah. And everybody thinks he is the worst, right? Yeah. Like he's the issue. He's uh, a heretic. Mm. He is, you know, claiming to be God. How dare you do that? Yeah. You're going to lead this nation uh, <laughs> astray. So he's being nailed to the cross and he's praying for his murderers, his killers yeah. saying, father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Um, the, the more hurt that you've experienced mm. and the more you think about forgiveness, the more you realize how crazy of a statement that is yeah. and how, once again, like, I need Jesus to be my savior yeah. because I can't do that on my yeah, own. Right. So I need his perfect record of being a perfect forgiver. Yeah. Um, and then I need his power to make me yeah. into the same thing. Yeah. We need the spirit to help shape us to be like that yeah. because it's not natural to us. Right. Yeah. I've even thought about just like how to go about forgiving people that don't perceive that they have done something that needs forgiveness in like, I don't know, man, it's really tough for me to think like, gosh, I'm holding something against you, but for me to potentially forgive you and have a conversation about it also means me having to, somehow explain to you that you've done something that hurt me that you don't even know. And maybe that, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of situations where it's like people that I know that have hurt other people that I know. And it's like, man, that hearing about what happened, yeah. the way that you treated somebody I care about really affects the way I think about you. And I know that I'm holding on to it with bitterness and resentment. 
but some you know i just have to fight the tendency myself to kind of use the opportunity to forgive them really as like a subversive opportunity to shame them for what they did right right well i'm just calling because i know that i have it on my heart that i need to forgive you because of how terrible you treated so and so and you were absolutely horrible and you were really mean to them and really um arrogant and it really harmed the way i think about you Right, so like, I need to forget. There's, like, there's you know, definitely some discernment there. Yeah, trying to figure a, out yeah, what's sure. the difference between keeping short accounts and then when and where do you Confessing need to just let for, things yeah, go? Because right. there is, you don't need to confess everything. Sure. Right? Like, you don't need to confess, hey, the way you greeted me at the door, I just, I, yeah, I hate you gosh, for that. You it's like, all I said was, hey, yeah. this is a you problem. Yeah. This isn't a me thing. Right. It's not. Now, discern, like, sure. the way you discern that is by... You know, taking it to God, right. talking to somebody else, the sooner the better so that you don't form that lens and then you're kind of telling people yeah. how it happened through the lens because the more you do that, the more they'll probably agree with you. Right. Right. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I guess. Right. Because now they have the same lens. Yeah. Well, the more you just quickly say, hey, this person um, this person said this to me. I don't know if I'm just being crazy, but right. I, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. And they may say, yeah, you're, it's okay. Like, just sure. you gotta let that one go. Yeah. Um, or they'll say, yeah, I think maybe that's valid. Right. I, I think maybe you should go talk to them about that. And then even that, again, hits back on like, sometimes we can just correct ourselves and being like, oh, I just need to be generous in what I'm assuming here. Like, I don't always have to be like, man, you sent a really short text message when I expected a really long one. It just made me really think that you're mad at me. And I'm like, yeah. But it's, you know what I mean? Like, we, we don't always have to do that. Like, can you imagine a world in which every 20 seconds we were like texting somebody of like, hey, I, oh, I misinterpreted or I was, I over emphasize right. what you might have meant and i'm sorry it's like sometimes we would just be like no i'm i'm assuming here i'm reaching here i actually don't know what or why they did that because i'm not a mind reader and i can just let it go and that's okay right and the and the biblical biblical language for it is you know making allowance for one another's right. faults yeah um and then you know doing everything in your power to live at peace with one another yeah right those are powerful things to say because right. that who does that <laughs> right uh I don't know many. But, right. It's super know. tough. Yeah. No, I think something that that comes to, to my mind with it is, uh, you know, the bigger picture of who we become as people and then mm. who we become as a people when we actually start to grasp this stuff. Yes. Um, when we are a forgiving people. Not, you know, worldly forgiveness and even progressive worldly forgiveness right. is... Yeah, of course. There's no rules. So there's right. nothing to forgive. Right. Everything's fine. Everything's permissible. And it's like, that's cheap. Right. That's really cheap. But instead, you know, there there is such thing as right and wrong. Right. And you can wrong me and have. Hmm. And I'm forgiving you. Yeah. And I love you regardless right. of what happened. I'm making allowance for that. That right. that doesn't exist. Right. Any uh that that can't happen apart from Jesus. Right. And and him changing you and us as a people. And I just think like how our culture, how our city yeah. really needs a group of people uh that are about that. Yeah. That are about that. There's power there. Mm-hmm. That that will change uh people's lives when they come into our community and see us doing that. Yeah, people that are radically committed to deep unified relationships with one another that also have a track record of hurting one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, even you just saying that made me think about kind of how forgiveness is linked to our perception of justice. And you made that joke at the start of the sermon about 
how, you know, we kind of wholesale reject cancel culture out there. But in me, it's like, yeah, but I'm canceling people in my mind if oh, they yeah. ever hurt me. But it's like the way that we perceive and understand and know what God says about forgiveness, what we know about what Christ has done to forgive us, what Christ has called us into and the way that we forgive one another. Like forgiveness does impact the way that we view justice and the way that like we are not always, we don't have to always seek justice against everything that's ever happened to us. Like kind of in a way that culture is kind of obsessed with right now. You hear this all the time on social media about like, well, I'm just holding them accountable and I'm not talking about, obviously moral egregious things like like murder and and you know manslaughter and stuff but i'm just talking about like cultural silly little things about like did you hear what so-and-so said on twitter th- four years ago that we yeah didn't... even if you're narrating that as accountability right it's still exhausting right to, to watch and to participate in because even if it even if it's said as accountability it's there's still no forgiveness right there's no desire to reconcile right. there's just a desire to you know almost ruin the life right be like yeah i'm holding you accountable right it's like what if everybody was held accountable for every wrong that they ever did right well we are yeah and Apart from Jesus, that's not a good look. Right. And we're, we're all living in glass houses. Yeah. And again, like I'm not talking about actual crimes that get played out on social media because there's a lot of conversation about things that need it. But just for like the little things between us, you know, like if we're just always trying to quote unquote hold one another accountable the way that the world does, well, then we're just tearing one another down every second of the day. Yeah. We're, we're spending our whole lives looking for blackmail on one another. You right. Know, and, that's just not the way Jesus, you know, the way of Jesus has a generous spirit towards one another and we forgive graciously and move on, you know, live our yeah. lives together. But... Well, that's uh, all we got time for today. Um, just a quick announcement and kind of a quick plug for Garrison. We've been talking a lot about our summer studies coming up in June over the last few weeks. And Garrison is actually teaching one of those. You want to tell us about it really quick before we head out? Yeah, sure am. It's me and Lindsay Olson and Walker Bird. We're teaching how to read the Bible. Um, You know, our plan thus far is to kind of give an overarching view of, you know, this is is what the Bible is. This is what it is versus what it is not. Mm -hmm. And then our our goal is kind of to walk through different categories of scripture. So things like wisdom literature, uh, things like uh, the Gospels, the Old Testament, um, prophetic literature, Mm -hmm. um, and just talk through how, how does this actually, you know, how do we study this? What is a quiet time reading this section of the Bible? actually look at and i think uh i think we're going to try to dive into some questions about you know what what do we do when the bible's confusing or seemingly contradictory and i'm just really excited for it just being able to to walk through some of that and get into how we you know actually meditate on and study the bible yeah that's awesome and a reminder as well that we also have money 101 coming up and a mission 101 coming up all starting at different times in june they're happening different days, different times um, throughout the week. So hopefully everybody can sign up for at least one. You can find more info and sign up for those on our website. Um, But yeah, that's all we got time for. Thanks for joining me, Garrison. We'll uh, see you next time.